This time in episode 404 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Hawkeye Season 1, Episode 4, Partners, Am I Right? Weekly Marvel News, including Netflix Defenders and the MCU, Shang-Chi's Big Screen and Disney Plus sequels, and Into the Spider-Verse 2 teaser, and your feedback. I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show where we discuss the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes shown via Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Thursday, December 9th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Spectrum News Wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, gang, happy National Pastry Day. A day worth celebrating. Always one of my favorite episodes of the Great British Breaking Off, you know, Bake Off. Yes. I totally broke it and had oatmeal today. I don't think it's technically a pastry, but I have some chocolate babka to finish up, so I'm going to count it. Pastries can be traced back as far as the ancient Mediterranean, where they had almost paper-thin, multi-layered baklava and phyllo dough. Phyllo. I knew I was going to get something <laughs> wrong there. Well, I mispronounced it for a really long time until I met like an actual Greek person who was like, no. Well, and in true nationaldaycalendar.com style, there is no history to this day, so who knows who put it on there or why, but I'm guessing some monetary exchange happened. Regardless, happy National Pastry Day. I hope you had some pastries today. If you happen to be going into an office, odds are, if you have a holiday taken at some point in time, you usually have donuts or something like that. Anyway... Let's get on with the rest of the show because we love talking about Marvel. Because of ugly Christmas sweaters. If you'd like to talk to us about ugly Christmas sweaters, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. We're on Twitter at Legends of Shield. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. Tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. We have a very exciting show. There's a lot to say by a lot of us. We've been talking Hawkeye the past couple of episodes. This is episode four of Hawkeye, which means we have two, I think, weeks left in the Hawkeye series unless they pull a double on us next week and they just haven't told us that yet 
We got two more weeks left. In the meantime, got an episode to talk about and great news to talk about tonight. Should we get to it? Oh, yep. Let's do it. Hawkeye Episode 4, Partners, am I right? Premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. The IMDb description reads, Secrets are revealed and hard truths emerge, culminating in a battle against two opposing forces. Michelle, who directed this episode? This episode was directed by Bert and Bertie. Bert has eight directing credits starting in 2006, and so does Bertie because they are a directing team. I think they've done a good job so far. All right, we're going to do something different than we've done in the last few episodes. We still have the synopsis, but we're going to break it up so you don't have to listen to me reading the whole thing. I'm going to start and everybody's going to join in. So here's the synopsis for Hawkeye season one. I think it's just going to be one season episode for partners. Am I right? As Eleanor plays, why is there an Avenger in my dining room game? Rose in his mouth, Jack holds Archer at bay with his own Ronin sword. Do you suppose he meant Captain Archer from Enterprise or maybe the world's greatest spy Archer from the FX show Archer? I'm so confused on the Archer here. Wait, isn't this exactly where we left off in the last episode three? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Okay, here's what happens now. Clint and Kate have a quiet but, you know, weird at Clint's admission conversation with Eleanor and Jack. Eleanor pulls out that Natasha Romanoff card as she sends Clint down the elevator shaft. Boo. Clint calls back to research to find out more about Jack and the tracksuits. This research, who is really just his wife, Laura, asks about the mysterious watch from the Avengers compound. And the Bishop family spends an early evening at home where we discover that Jack is terrible at aphorisms before Kate leaves to spend a holiday evening with Clint at the safe house. It's ugly Christmas sweaters, tree decorating, daiquiris, and Christmas movies all night long while the partners come up with a plan that includes boomerang arrows. Kate learns the one shot Clint didn't take, and she learns that Clint is actually Ronan and he cannot go home until he fixes it. In the morning, Clint sends Kate and Lucky out to get their arrows by using the LARPers. Meanwhile, Clint has a quiet conversation with Kazi in a car lot worthy of a Hallmark holiday movie. Grills returns and makes snickerdoodles. The guild makes a cosplay deal with the archers and the partners leave to go get the Rolex where Kate learns that she really needs a collapsible bow like Oliver Queen. At Maya's place, the partners have an awesome four-way fight with Echo and Yelena. Kate gets stuck on a zip line. Black Widow weapons are used. Yelena is unmasked and the partners break up in the aftermath and roll credits. All right. We have a lot of thoughts. Let's give our opening thoughts right now. Lauren, initial impressions? It started a little slow for me in the parts where they're in Kate's mom's place. I don't know. It's something just felt off about the way it was shot to me. I don't know. But I really, really liked the Kate and Clint interaction. And of course, I was just screaming happily for Yelena. I'm saving it for the rant. See, I'm the opposite there. I really like the way this one started because I think that the Kate-Clint interaction and bringing Kate's mom and Jack into it really is a good way to start the episode. Plus, I don't know if y'all noticed, but the chair that Eleanor and Jack were sitting on and 
Jack's mug has some hexagons and bees on it. <laughs> hmm, interesting. So my take on the episode is you had weaponized tree ornaments, you had world building going on with the crossover, you had a holiday movie marathon with some drinks attached to it, and you had dog antlers. But I know the episode had faults, but I'm all in on it. So we're going to start off, though, with this epic Michelle rant, because if we don't get this out of the way, she's going to simultaneously and spontaneously combust. So Michelle, go ahead. I will not combust. I know how to save my rants. Anyway, so dear listener, I rant to get something off my chest. I'm not here to convince you or to start some sort of big fight. So if you want to listen to the rant, great. If you don't, fast forward about four to five minutes. Here I go. One of the issues that I had from last week just got bigger for me. And this is an issue that I've talked about before when we've talked about like Falcon and Winter Soldier and such. And that is, of course, the plot pacing issues. Now, remember, I'm always keeping the casual viewer in mind because I live with one. And so I get that perspective constantly. So what am I talking about with plot and pacing issues? Well, let's start with WandaVision. The plot of WandaVision was Wanda deals with her trauma by trapping the town. And everything else was connected to that. You know, is Agatha making the trauma worse is she feeding off of it you know people arrived to stop wanda it was very it got to be sort of like weird because it was her expressing her trauma and that's why by the way this show came out at the beginning of this year it's rare for tv shows especially short run ones to be remembered all year guess what it is wandavision is popping up in top 10 and top 20 best tv shows of the year right now so because it was that good now we move on to falcon and Winter soldier if you remember me when i was talking about that i really didn't like the pacing and mom who's my casual viewer you know looked at me after episode three and i'm just like there's three more episodes left and she's like oh okay because the plot you know it's like falcon was becoming cap and bucky dealing with trauma as they fight some sort of terrorist Still not sure if they were terrorists or not. Group dealing with the new cap. Then it became Baron Zemo wanting to kill all the super soldiers. And then it became about stopping the broker. I think I'm still not sure. All I know is that Sam got a great speech at the end and he looked really cool in the suit. And that's what I remember. And that was cool. Then we move on to Loki, another show people talked about because let's just face it, Hiddleston, if Tom Hiddleston wasn't, you know, if they recast Loki and stuff, this would just bomb. People came in, it's Hiddle, and it's him doing Loki. But the plots, you know, Loki wants to stop the variant and free himself from the TVA. That's it. It got to be, you know, weird and time jumpy and talking about jet skis. I wasn't a big fan of the end because that wasn't the best. But still, people talked about Loki. Again, because of Hiddle, but also people were talking about the variants. I mean, come on, we had Alligator Loki. I still remember Alligator Loki. It was great. Now I have an issue with the show. So the plot, okay, Kate is learning how to be Hawkeye 2.0 from the reluctant OG Hawkeye, who's dealing with trauma, while becoming friends, clearing Ronan's name. I'm not really too sure what's kind of still going on with that. They're fighting a crime syndicate. No, solving a murder. 
dealing with Maya. Is she a criminal? I'm still like, I know with the tracksuits, but she's getting her own show. So is it like, I'm not sure. And then <laughs> now we have a black widow entering the picture at the end of episode four, which for us, for the nerds, for the people who watch everything, for the people who analyze everything, for the people who uh, maybe you, you watch it all, you're not like nerds like us, but you keep track of things and you've watched Black Widow. And so you know who she is. That's great. However, if you haven't watched Black Widow, at the end, Hawkeye says, oh, they've hired a Black Widow assassin. If you don't know who she is, you're like, oh, well, who hired her? Maybe it was Jack. Maybe it was Maya, because sometimes you have the assassin attack you to make yourself not the person who's doing that and stuff. But okay, who knows? Now there's a watch and everything. But we know that she's there because she's been manipulated into thinking that Hawkeye cleared Black, killed Natasha, who's her sister. So then again, <laughs> plot, plot stuff. Uh, and. This also comes to another thing with the casual viewer. There are some who only watch the movies. They're like, TV shows, great. I don't care. I only watch the movies. If you watched Black Widow and you got that stinger, right? That's from the movie. And now it's getting resolved in a TV show that people really aren't talking about. And I told mom, by the way, that Hawkeye's like, hey, you know, Hawkeye's on. And she gave me this look. It's that Ant-Man reaction. It's that Ant-Man reaction of hers. Like she completely forgets that she's seen Black, you know, the Ant-Man movies because it's Ant-Man. And it's just, and then she looked at me, it's like Hawkeye, you know, the Avengers. Like, oh, okay. Is she watching Hawkeye? No, she's watching The Witcher. That is what she's doing right now. Maybe she'll watch this when she's got some time. She's got that look on her face like, I don't care. So if you're not watching everything, guess what? You are missing out. Something I was afraid of would happen because guess what? Feige is bringing back hashtag it's all connected. And with so many other projects coming and everything Apparently, this is leading into a Young Avengers thing. So I guess we have to watch all the shows and for another show and this again. It's this again. We, we only had five. We had five Netflix properties and people got overwhelmed with that. We tried to we we let's forget Iron Fist. Everybody really. Let's just agree. Um, so really, I guess we had four. And now, I mean, people are going to be happy that that's coming back. Because that's one of our news stories. So now I am concerned about Marvel burnout. I am because, again, for us, okay, it's going to be here. Obviously, this got the money. They're coming. For us, it's great. But again, I live with that casual consumer. And really, if it wasn't for the Disney, you know, the Marvel stuff on there, I'm really the only one that watches disney plus on a consistent basis that's just me so really it's for me mom is like i don't care if you have it or not star wars stuff is cool but yeah so yeah that's 
Ah, there we go. And Michelle's breathing. And Michelle feels better. So thank you very much. All right. There is a lot of things that we can respond to. Chris actually raised his hand. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris to get his first response here. The one thing I'm brave enough to jump out with right off the gate here is we don't know what's happening in the next episode. So I think the concern of who is Black Widow and does that get explained kind of hinges on what happens in this next episode. And that could either bomb or be great. We'll see. So as far as the pacing of the MCU goes, there is nothing on the schedule yet until May of 2022. And that's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We do have Ms. Marvel that is supposed to be in the summer of 2022. We have Moon Knight, which is supposed to be 2022, and She-Hulk, which is supposed to be 2022. So three series versus the four that we got this year. But there's nothing until spring slash late spring, summer that's going to be there. So there is some catch-up time, I think, thrown in there. Also, I will admit, there is a lot of streaming stuff that I want to watch right now, and I cannot get to it. There's Foundation, you have The Expanse, which starts tomorrow, a few hours away from where we are here. There's Lost in Space. I mean, these are just ones right off the top of my head. I still have to catch up with The Morning Show because I got swamped into that. Foundation, I think I mentioned that. There's just a lot of stuff right now. And if I could go to every single streaming service that I have, there's at least one, if not multiple series that I want to watch on those in addition to movies that have come out like i have not finished jungle cruise i've watched like the first third of it and i want to watch the rest of it so some of its issues that i've had come up in my personal life in the last few weeks but some of it is just there's a lot out there so i agree with you that why people aren't talking about hawkeye is that there's so much available right now versus earlier in the year there just wasn't because of production delays i don't know if feige is going to continue the MCU in films only. It sounds like with previous news bites and sound bites that we got from Feige that he's mixing and matching now, and they're trying to figure it out. So I think we're going to get more of this direct interaction between a movie and a show as we go forward. I mean, one of the news stories is Shang-Chi. I bet you that's going to be linked pretty hard to the Wakanda one as well. So. How well this is going to work, I don't know. I would be concerned about Marvel burnout, just like you said, because there's just a lot. And we've experienced it already with Star Wars. There was a period where there's just too much Star Wars and people got burned out on it. So all great concerns. I just don't know where it's going to go. It seems like right now Marvel's trying to do what, I don't know if y'all are Stephen King fans. The Dark Tower is one of my favorite book series ever. And a few years ago, Ron Howard was supposed to do like it was a three movie deal with TV shows in between. And, you know, obviously that didn't happen. I don't know if it's still in the works. I don't know. But I feel like that's kind of what Marvel's trying to do here. I'm not sure if it's a complete success. I am somebody who loves content and loves watching it. I'm just like, yay, give me more or whatever. But. You're right. You do also have to think of it from the casual fans point of view with comics. I've said this before. There's that whole adage of every issue is somebody's first issue. So 
you have to kind of make it a bit easy to follow. I think that's fallen by the wayside in the past, like, I don't know, 20 years. But we're seeing in TV now, well, in, in Marvel specifically, that these stories are intertwined. It's not like in, right, well, going back to Star Wars as an example with The Mandalorian, it's informed by stuff from the movie, but it doesn't seem to connect with stuff from the movie, which is sort of more what we got with, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm on board personally as just me myself for, yay, hashtag it's all connected. This is what I wanted all along. But Michelle is absolutely right. It's kind of intimidating to jump in now. There's, it's the same problem that Marvel Comics had, that the Star Wars Expanded Universe had. Anything with just this gigantic amount of lore now. So... I kind of agree with Michelle there. I'd be interested to hear what our listener had to say. So if you have a comment, please don't hesitate to call our voicemail line at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. Let us know what you think about what Lauren had to say. I'm moving on for the rest of the issues or non-issues with the episode. There's still a lot to unpack. Let's start off with the penthouse and chris you brought up the hexacons and to me when you brought that up i'm like okay what is the thing that's going to connect everything in phase four possibly phase five and phase six we had the infinity stones in the first three phases i don't know what it's going to be here on out but we did technically start off phase four with wandavision i guess or maybe spider-man no, Spider-Man was the end of Phase 3. So we started off with WandaVision. So anything from WandaVision on forward, including the hexagons, are fair game. What do you think? I think this is a great way to bring Hive into this. You can get this evil organization to be maybe not your super main villain, but your villain that kind of ties everything together. And the fact that it's an organization rather than a single person means you can spread them out a whole lot more than you could just a single person. We've already got Madam Hydra. Okay, so we're in the penthouse, and there is this awkward moment with her parents, and her parents are calling somebody. We still don't know who that somebody is. We speculated last episode. We can continue to speculate this episode. I think we're talking Kingpin now i really do i think kevin feige has done everything but confirm it and he's steered clear of it because he doesn't want to ruin the surprise in hawkeye but i think we're headed that direction i'm increasingly thinking you're right that it's more than just like oh i hope they bring him back we know that maya's godfather is somebody important we know who her godfather is in the comics and now that, you know, we know directly that Jack Duquesne is connected to the tracksuits and Maya. Yeah, it's very likely that at the very least, it's whoever Maya's godfather is. Okay, and as long-standing Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. tradition, we do critique the medical advice that is given <laughs> either de facto or directly on the show. And Lauren, you had an issue with some of the medical stuff. That was provided here. Well, it wasn't exactly an issue. Well, maybe sort of. Look, if you're badly injured, you should go to an actual medical professional. 
However, <laughs> my family is very much the like DIY type of people, particularly my dad. And so this took me just right back to childhood. My sister had split her head open and really should have gone to get stitches. But my dad was like, no, I got it. I got it. And just like put popsicles on her head. And then, of course, you know, when the bleeding had stopped enough, he held it out to her and he goes, you want one? It's cherry. And my mom got mad at him all over again. But this is a thing. You can, in fact, use popsicles, daiquiris, whatever, to help lessen swelling. I still recommend, you know, an actual ice pack or going to a medical professional. But in a pinch, it can work. I'm liking how this apartment is the safe house is actually stocked. I mean, it's quintessential actor, old actor sort of stuff here. And and of course, there's the tie in with the West Avengers and stuff like that. So it's just perfect that they were able to bring it in on this. Then we get the two together, the partners together, the archers together in the safe house. They're having their little holiday moment. Michelle, I know you want to ask me something here. All right. Considering everything that happened in the episode, SP, please grade this episode according to the Hallmark holiday movie standards. Something that I was remiss before is the classic car, the Chevelle that was in the first episode. Hallmark holiday movies typically have a classic fire truck or a truck or some old car or something like that. We've gotten enough of that here. But in this episode, we get a whole car lot filled of cars from the 70s, which, you know, I'm old enough to remember when they were new, but sadly they are considered classics these days. So you had the classic cars in the episode. You also had the quintessential tree decorating party. We didn't actually see the tree decorated, but it was a tree decoration party. You had the movie night where you had Christmas movies go on while the characters have a montage and have some fun and get to know each other a little bit better. So we're at that state. We're at the, like the middle stage of the Hallmark movie where, where they're getting to know each other better. Again, no romance. I'm not saying any romance whatsoever, but the characters are getting to know each other. So I would grade this as, as a high level. And of course I was watching the wide shots where you had Christmas music playing and you have the, like the drone shots of the neighborhood and stuff like that. That's straight out of Hallmark. It's stock footage. And Hallmark movies use it all the time, but they used it here too. So the producers, the showrunner, Igla, they know what they're doing here. This is the way that you do a holiday movie or show, and they've got it down. Feel free to critique me on any of that, but in the dog antlers, the, the dog had antlers. That was adorable. And also, Kate learned a new weapon. She literally turned a tree ornament into a weapon precision weapon too. close range but precision close range weapon that whole segment with them you know clint at first is grouchy and then you know after a couple daiquiris starts to loosen up and actually teaches kate a thing in this case how to use a coin-sized christmas ornament you know throw it precisely so that it turns off the tv and it's just weirdly wholesome. I have already been told I'm not allowed to try doing this inside the house. Oh, <laughs> she did say inside the house, though, so I can go outside. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I had a little bit of bending. You know, there was a curve that had to happen because they were going around a corner. So you got to practice that too. I've got plenty of bottle caps. Okay. Yeah, we'll be good. It'll work. But they were having a conversation, Chris, and Kate was starting to put the pieces together. She is, and I'm loving this. Um, it starts off just, you know, what's the shot you didn't take and kind of pries into that. And, oh, you know, you're, did you lose your family? That must have sucked. And then, okay, is that how you got tied up with Ronan? Oh, crap. Are you Ronan? And I love the progression of getting there, not just, oh, yeah, we need to hurry up and have her figure this out. So she's going to magically figure it out. You have an actual progression in the conversation where you can see in her face, everything is coming together. And it was like, oh, crap, Ronan's in front of me. And then she started piecing together the fact that he was still Clint and that he lost his family and that that is how Ronan happened and that he was missing his family in order to put this whole thing to bed. And she had to be there to help. So she was all in there. She's trying to help her mentor, her idol, but she's becoming, she is becoming friends. I think he is becoming her friend from his point of view, but he's kind of denying it because he's a bad role model, the mistakes he's made in his life and that sort of thing. But I think they're start, this is the moment in the movie where the buddy cops, they start to come together and yet something happens. They're like, no, you can't be with me or I need to be alone. This is the moment in Hot Fuzz. It's like right after they've been watching Bad Boys 2. And my brain stopped working right now, but it's, I was thinking of Hot Fuzz while watching it. Anybody cop movie, really? Oh, I remember what it is. That whole, oh, we tell each other a secret thing where in this case, it's like, oh, I, in Hot Fuzz, it was like, oh, I don't know how to switch my brain off. And then when he starts acting like a jerk again, Nick Frost's character throws that back in Simon Pegg's character's face. But yeah, here it's instead of a buddy cop movie or anything, it's a buddy archer movie yeah partners archers whatever i question kate's critical thinking though i really do she's an accomplished martial artist gymnast archer on her own right and she starts thinking about a boomerang arrow (laughs) i actually did yell in excitement If you listened to last week's episode, you heard me talk about how the Because Boomerang thing was one of my just favorite things to quote from the Matt Fraction, David Aha run on Hawkeye, which this is pretty much not lifted straight forward, but very inspired by. And we have almost the same conversation as the comic, but with the roles reversed. There it was Kate who was like, this is ridiculous. Why do you need this? And Clint was the one who was like, Because Boomerang. And here we have a, if memory serves, slightly tipsy Kate saying we need boomerang arrows. Okay. Alcohol fueled. Good idea, fairy. Okay. Sometimes you need to throw the bad idea out there so you can just have it out of your system. No, no, not a great idea. Although, Michelle, I was thinking of the many, many times we saw in Green Arrow or Arrow over on the CW where they caught the arrow. Of course. I mean, so you could do a boomerang arrow, catch it, throw it back in the bow, and then shoot it off again. Of course. Although, I don't know if anybody's ever, in the history of mankind, actually caught an arrow that was flying in midair. Especially at the velocity that these guys are shooting. 
And we saw a pretty fast one because Kate called for help when she was in the apartment in the fight and Clint picked up his bow and got shot off a grappling arrow with the zip line. We'll talk about that in a little second really fast. So, hey, the arrows go fast. Okay, so technically people have been known to catch arrows before. I'm reading an article right now on archershub.com titled, Can You Catch an Arrow? and there's that actual video of somebody named, I guess, Lars Anderson. And they're like, but Lars Anderson's not your typical average person. It would take many hours of physical and mental training. You need incredible confidence at hand-eye coordination. And the bow has to probably be less than 30 pounds of draw. Yeah, so I grew up there up in Minnesota. So when you say Lars Anderson, that reminds me up up there up north there and probably some Norwegian with big, great, big hands and able just to snatch the arrow right out of the air. <laughs> yeah, oofta. Don't get me started. Okay, one of the things that kept on popping up here and has popped up throughout the series is there's these mentions of Natasha. It would almost be too overpowering, but you know this is an epic loss, not just for Clint, but for the entire Avengers, the entire MCU. And I'm glad that they're kind of drawing this out, but it is being drawn out. And you had the pointed comment from Eleanor towards Clint of, oh, so you kept Natasha safe, huh? And you had the mention of Clint bringing out the fact when he first met her that he didn't shoot her and you had that whole kind of drunken buddy cop sob thing that you have to get out in in a buddy cop movie and in real life too if you deal with trauma you have to talk about it in order to get it out that is happening now I'm okay with it but I was wondering if anybody else had an issue with this being drawn out I loved it I Again, well-established. I love angst. And this was mm, so good. I re- recently rewatched Black Widow. And there is that sense of sadness in like, you know, this is what we as a fandom has lost. But in terms of the actual world of the show and movies, Natasha is somebody who she's came to public attention saving New York releasing all the information on Hydra and becoming basically a martyr in the whole Thanos thing. And you have this person who was her best friend who knew her as a person longer than any of the other Avengers, longer than pretty much anyone except, well, no, longer than Nick Fury because Clint was the one who met her first. And his grief is just, it's there. It's on the surface. Like, yeah, he got his family back. That doesn't change the fact that they were gone for five years. And that doesn't change the fact that Natasha is still gone, that he was present, that he has incredible survivor's guilt. And then bringing in Yelena, who's somebody who we also know is feeling a lot of grief over Natasha's loss. In this case, it's that loss of potential. Like, they could have had a great sister relationship if they had had the chance to rebuild it. And it seems pretty clear that they didn't. So we have somebody who's incredibly, if we're going by the stages of grief, Yelena is still in the anger stage. Clint is 
the depression stage, maybe. I'm not sure it's quite acceptance yet. Yeah, he's still dealing with it, especially with the flashbacks and stuff like that. Chris, where do you think Clint needs to go here? Well, he probably needs to go to therapy, but he won't do it. Just on a personal level, I think he needs to go back to Eleanor and pop her upside the head. Not in a super violent way, just like, hey, why are you bringing this up? Like, that was kind of, that was a poophead move from Eleanor. But Clint definitely needs to get to a place where he can get his head straight. You think he needs to learn to trust people? He really does. Kate might be young, might be everything that he doesn't want in a partner. But for one thing, she's already sucked into it. So it's not like he can convince all the bad guys that she's not a problem anymore because she's not going to leave and they're not going to believe him if she does leave. So, I mean, just he kind of just needs to suck it up and say, all right, for this portion of things, I'm working with Kate. She's sucked into this. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, at the end of the episode, we get what I will consider to be an epic fight because you have four, at least three established formidable people on the screen. And you have Kate, who's the young adventurer or whatever, capable on her own right. But I, I don't know if I'd put her in the class just yet. Anyway, sure you're having this epic fight. You have two V2, one in the apartment, one on the rooftop across the street or across something alleyway, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, you have this fight going on and then they all get together. And you have Black Widow weaponry being used. You have trick arrows being used. You have the martial arts being used. And it it doesn't seem to me like anybody's really trying to kill people because when Maya threw the knife, it hit Kate right outside of her head. It didn't hit her. It hit something. And I just have this sense that Maya can hit something that close versus not. And then you had Black Widow electronic tasers that didn't kill anybody they just disabled and we know that they can actually kill somebody so i don't know if anybody's really trying to kill anybody else i know yelena is very angry with clint because of the information that was given to her at the end of black widow and i don't know if she was sent to kill him or not maybe she has questions to ask herself before she does it i don't know So you have this all going on. It was a really cool fight. I really enjoyed it. It was dark, but it wasn't too dark, so you couldn't tell what was going on. It wasn't a continuous fight. Definitely, there were quick cuts, but I enjoyed the fight with everybody. It was pretty big, but at the center of this fight, the reason they're all there is because Maya actually has the watch that was stolen from the auction. Clint was told by Laura to go get the watch. Apparently, he knows what it is. Laura knows what it is. We don't know who the watch really belongs to. There's been epic speculation online and in our feedback of what it is. And what is going on with the watch? Who does the watch belong to? My theory is Nick Fury, but I'm only at like maybe 60-70% confidence in that. Yeah, it's... I wouldn't say anybody's got a firm guess. I've seen some people that have firm speculation, but I haven't seen a lot of supporting evidence for that. I don't know, Chris, who do you think? I mean, Fury was the first person I thought of, but just to throw another name out there, I'm going to say Coulson. That'd be nice, Phil Coulson. And that that would connect Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. directly versus not. So, Michelle, who do you think? I thought it was Tony. I think it's Tony Stark's watch because he's like, 
it got destroyed. So I'm thinking, I my thought was, because he always wore a watch, I, I was wondering if it was Tony Stark. Yeah, so in our feedback, there's other speculation. I won't talk about it right now. And I think there's some legitimacy to what that thing is. So you just have to wait to the feedback. But I don't know who it is. And I'm excited to find out. They've had this MacGuffin go for four episodes now. And I'm kind of hoping we find out what it is next episode and maybe who the boss is next episode as well. Guys, I love the LARPer side story that's going on here. First, Cape goes to them and she's like, can I have your help tampering with evidence? And they're like, (laughs) yeah, okay, we'll do it. And then they show up, they're cooking cookies, which by the way, that's another holiday Hallmark holiday movie thing. Cookie cooking. I forgot about that. So they have that going on and then they agree on a swap and all they care about is new cool costumes. Well, there's also the cop that cares about her bag. Well, yeah, that was very sweet. It was her wife embroidered it for her. It says bombshell. I liked that little bit. And I, okay, I've been very vocal about the fact that I've gotten way back into wrestling the past few years. And this, I'm actually going to be moderating a panel in January about comics and wrestling. And this part reminded me of how many gear makers I follow who, their whole thing started up with cosplay or the SCA or Ren Fairs or anything like that. So that was just very amusing to me on that level. I told you guys Girls was going to be back. Girls is definitely back and we'll see where this all takes us. And I, at this point, I will almost forgive him for tampering with evidence in the fire to get the Ronin costume to begin with, just because it's been such a cool story here. In the fight, you have this epic moment between Yelena and Kate, where Kate's got her bow drawn and she's ready to fire or release her arrow at Yelena. And Yelena just looks at her deadpan and just shakes her head. She doesn't make a move to attack her or anything. She just shakes her head and then she escapes. That was just a defining moment of the series so far. Really enjoyed that stare down and the escape after that, which means there's more to the story. And I know Yelena is a favorite of Lauren. So, Lauren, what'd you like about that whole reveal? Okay. Well, the second that they showed somebody just fully masked, I was like, is that Yelena? Are we getting Yelena? Yeah. Like you said, SP, there's. Okay. I'm pretty sure that Maya was not trying to kill Kate there because, you know, in the whole interrogation last episode, Kate was very clear, like, yeah, I have no clue what's going on. So I don't think Maya really sees her as a threat. Yelena, I'm not sure if she was trying to kill Hawkeye or not. Oh, I'm so happy that she's here. I can't wait to see next episode what she does there. I'm looking forward to maybe her and Clint grieving together and... Maybe Elena gets invited to Christmas dinner. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. So I wanted to have more of an extended conversation on this, but we're running short on time of where I want to be. So Laura and the kids, I think I've mentioned this before. They're going to come into the action at some point in time. I just don't know if they're going to come to New York and help Clint or if Clint and Elena and Kate are going to end up back at the farm. I don't know which it's 50 50. Maybe I'm 51% that they're going to come to New York City at the moment, but I think they're going to get involved. I think they're all sitting out around going, oh, dad's at work. They can help dad, especially since Laura might have a history herself. 
I did want to end on a positive note, a fun note. And Chris, you have our ending, the dog. Okay, so this is totally a Chekhov's dog situation here. You have a really short run series here. So you don't have time to bring in a lot of extra random stuff, no matter how cool it is. I haven't read the comics these are based on, but from what I've heard, Lucky the Pizza Dog is a big thing. They took the time to bring in Lucky the Pizza Dog here. And even though the dog isn't really doing anything so far, the dog keeps being around. And the dog keeps being brought up. So I have to think that this dog is going to have an important role later. Plus, Kate's shirt said Leica on it, and that was the Russian cosmonaut dog that went into space first. Yep. Has the hearts of the entire Soviet Union with them as well, and the world, really, because of what happened there. I regaled that story over on the Get a Geek show a few months ago of Leica. All right, guys, we're at the end. Quick 30-second synopsis. Where do you think this is going to go in the next two episodes? We're going to start with Lauren. I am really hoping for Yelena gets to join Christmas dinner. I'm hoping to see who Maya's godfather is. And I'm hoping that we see Jack and Eleanor get taken down because I'm pretty sure Eleanor is in on it. Eleanor is definitely bad. She is going to try to weasel her way out of it. It's not going to work because of one big mistake. And at some point, Jack is again going to be foiled by Butterscotch. I hope we find out all those things. I hope this does stick the landing. And I wonder if, because so far we have seen Thanos was right. We saw it in the bathroom. Someone wrote it in there. And then Clint was actually drinking from a mug that says Thanos was right. And I wonder if anything like that's going to come back. I have my theories on Clint. I'm 50-50 on him right now. One of this, on one side, I think Clint's not going to make it through this series. On the other side, I think he's going to end this series arm in arm with Laura, with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You playing in the background. So we'll see two episodes left next week. We'll go over episode five right now. That's what we got. Unless Disney plus says we're doing two episodes next week. So next week, episode five, in the meantime, we've got news and some feedback to get through. First up, Destin Daniel Creighton actually get more job in the Marvel Studios. Yep. We are getting a Shang-Chi sequel, which I'm pretty sure we all kind of knew. I really loved Simu Liu's tweet about it, which was bombed so hard they gave us another one. But yeah, he is going to be directing the sequel to Shang-Chi and also will be working on a Disney Plus series, presumably spinning out of the events of that movie. I'm excited. Oh, also, he is going to be, this is not connected with Marvel, but he's going to be working on a series based on Jean Luen Yang's graphic novel, American Born Chinese, which is really, really good. I'm very happy for him. I'm looking forward to seeing what we get from this. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Shang-Chi movie. I didn't know anything about the character going into it, so... I don't know where they could be going, but I do like all the Marvel mystical weirdness. If this is the gateway to get us there, then let's do it. I really want the spinoff to be about the sister. Next up, we've got a Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse trailer. Yep, this dropped, I believe, yesterday. 
which would be the what seventh eighth what was yesterday i don't know eighth. anyway it dropped on the uh, sony animation twitter and it looks like a lot of fun has anybody else seen it yet yes gwen get your dirty shoes off of his bed no he's a teenage boy his bed's probably not that clean anyway still that's still but, yeah i'm we we're getting miguel o'hara we're getting multiverse weirdness it's part one it is across the spider-verse part one so i have a pet theory that somehow it's going to tie in with the current spider-man stuff in the mcu we'll see hopefully they're gonna have to get another ghost spider tie-in comic to go with this and if they get anybody besides Shannon to write it, I will cry. Hey, Shannon. Okay, so next we have Kevin Feige confirming some casting news. Okay, this had everybody that I know who is into this excited. People have been wanting most of the Defenders cast to return because they did so well, particularly Charlie Cox as Daredevil. In a recent interview with Cinema Blend, he said, if you were to see Daredevil in upcoming things, Charlie Cox would be the actor playing Daredevil. Where we see that, how we see that, when we see that remains to be seen. He also mentioned, yeah, Jessica Jones has to be played by Kristen Ritter. And yes, I'm, I'm really hoping that this is to get us into Kingpin. And Daredevil representing, well, Matt Murdock representing Peter Parker in the next movie. I'm just, I'm very excited. I want to see a Foggy Nelson wedding. Oh, that would be fun, wouldn't it? I mean, tying in, let's say 90% at least of what happened from the Netflix Marvel stuff would I think just be a no-brainer goldmine move because most of the people in there did a pretty good job, even if the material they had to work with wasn't exactly the best. But you can't really blame the actors for that. Deborah and Wall back. Yes. That's gonna yes. be fun. Yep. And unless he backtracks, this is the path that everybody's gonna go down and just wait to see when it comes out. I dare him. I mean, don't dare him too hard because he's, he, he has played with stuff before. Other stuff that's been in the news that we're not going to go into depth. There's some rumors of MODOK in Ant-Man 3. There is a new story that will be in the show notes about Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld learning ASL for Aleka Cox so that they could communicate on set. And also, She-Hulk has actually reportedly done some fourth wall breaking because She-Hulk's going to talk to Kevin Feige during the series. So all that is going to be in the show notes. We do have some feedback, so let's get to it. We have some feedback, first of all, from consultant Black Adam at Starsaber underscore 222 on Twitter. I am now preemptively accepting the retcon that, if she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, Laura was Bobby's S.O. and passed the Mockingbird codename down to Bobby when she left to start a family. 
Before we start about this, let's talk about the other feedback as well. And we had an email from 084 says, hey, all okay. After getting through the amazing episode four, I have a theory and I kind of hate myself for it. The watch that they're after would supposedly expose the identity of someone close to Clint. I think the person he's protecting is his wife, Laura. Now, here's why I hate this, because I'm pretty sure I know who she's going to be. And it would be a final nail in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon coffin. I've headcanoned my way through so much with the season five Thanos fiasco and time jumps in both the show and the movies that don't quite work with each other. But what I won't be able to headcanon is this. Laura Barton is also an ex-spy, specifically Barbara Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, the wife slash ex-wife of Clint in the comics and the amazing character portrayed by Adrian Pilecki in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she would be the first Marvel TV character to be recast and brought into the MCU completely rebooted. But all that said, I would love it so much. Sorry, fellow Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. lovers, I'll see myself out. That's a bomb drop there. I actually like Black Adam's take on it a little bit better where it's a case officer or the SO of Bobby Morris. But this is a theory and probably why Laura is so intent on getting that Rolex back. Chris, what do you think? Laura's definitely got something going on, but when they said SO, I definitely thought significant other. So that, that's a whole different twist <laughs> I, on things. I thought that too. Senior officer in this case. Um, I should know that, but still. I like the idea because when we found out Clint was married, everybody was like, what? But considering, you know, he talked about in this episode, being coming Ronan wasn't that big of a job for him because that's what he was hired to do. He was hired to be a weapon. That was his first mission before he became like this big epic Avenger was being this agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. sent on missions to kill people like Natasha. You know, meeting someone who through S.H.I.E.L.D., where he worked, it's a workplace romance. We'll see what happens with all this. There is a lot of mystery enough to keep me focused and involved in talking about it on the show here. I have to say, even though the pacing has been off, Michelle, you mentioned that in your rant. I've enjoyed the bits and parts of the show, the fighting, the action, the storyline as it moves along in the mystery enough that it's kept me in there and I can't wait to watch the final two episodes. Although I'll be sad then because we'll be out of good content then from the MCU until next spring. I know there's Spider-Man stuff coming out, but we won't have anything outside of Spider-Man. Although the Spider-Man movie is going to be huge. We haven't talked about it too much on the podcast, but there's going to be epic crossovers. It's going to be kind of a crisis sort of thing. Endgame sort of level, I think, in terms of world building and crossovers and bringing in future stuff. Michelle, I, I would look at this next Spider-Man movie a lot like Crisis was over on the CW because you were bringing in so much of the past history of DC into that. I think that's a decent comparison, although... This is going to be movie and DC was a five episode long special event. True, but this is focused all on spider people. So it's able to, I think, focus the right word on just different spider men. I hope Andrew Garfield 
gets a chance to redeem. One of the things I liked about Crisis on Infinite Earths, I know we're crossing the streams, which Brandon Ralph got to be Superman again, which was epic because he was an amazing Spider-Man. I mean, sorry, he was, he was an amazing <laughs> Superman. Sorry, was, I'm getting all my things. Brandon Routh was a great Superman. He had awful material. That was an awful script for the movie. He was excellent, but he got blamed for it. He got to do that. I'm hoping Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield wasn't that bad of a Spider-Man, but all of a sudden he just got like dropped because reasons. So I kind of hope he has a moment like that where he gets to be like, hey, I'm a decent Spider-Man. First of all, Brandon Routh reprised his role in a Hallmark holiday movie this year. So he did a second number two of, of whatever it was. And it was just out a week ago or something like that. I've watched bits and pieces of it. I, I wasn't able to sit down. Watch. I've had a lot going on in my life in the last month here, but he did that and he was every bit as good as he always is. And even my daughters were like, Hey dad, that's Superman. I'm like, yeah, he's also the Adam. He's, you know, all these things. So it was pretty cool seeing him there. As far as Spider-Man goes, all we have to say is Sony. The only thing saving Spider-Man and Tom Holland this time around is the fact that Kevin Feige is involved and in, in Marvel Studios is involved because Sony does just doesn't know how to do comic book properties. For that matter, WB doesn't either. So I think that this is, uh, for the large part, I know there's been single movies that have been pretty good, but for the large part, I think Sony needed some help and they got it. So hopefully Tom Holland benefits from him and hopefully, as you said, Andrew Garfield benefits from this as well. All right, we're going to go ahead and, and do what here, Lauren? I think we ought to zipline our way out of here. Once again, I want to send a big thank you to our consultant, Chris, for coming on board. Chris, you have your own podcast that is slightly comic book related, I believe. I do, just a little bit. It's called Play Comics. Easiest place to go check it out is playcomics.com, where you can either check out regular episodes where I grab a guest and we look at video games based on a comic property and how well they represent that source material, or bonus episodes where I just talk to comic creators about some of the cool things they're doing. One of the recent highlights that came out was, I want to say it's the last episode that actually came out as we're recording this. I talked to Oriana Leckert, who is head of one of the comic portions of Kickstarter, just about getting Kickstarters going, making them successful, and you know what you can do and not do to make sure that your project is seen by as many people and backed by as many people as possible. And you can find all that at your very own link tree called playcomics.com. That's right. I have links to everywhere you could possibly want, including the Gunna Geek Discord channel, which if I remember right, I have it going straight to my channel over there, but it, worst case, it goes to the general server, so you're fine either way. I want to thank everybody who's gotten a hold of us this week. We really, really love hearing from y'all, and we would love to hear your thoughts on Hawkeye, the pacing, the characters what your theory is about who the Rolex belongs to. So yeah, thank y'all so much. I'd like to thank everyone, especially if you listen to my rant, you know, I haven't had Michelle rant for a while because I, you know, took that break, but yeah, it was kind of nice to do that again. So yeah, the thank to everyone for putting up 
with me when I bring up stuff like that. And Chris, good job. This was the first time you lived through a Michelle rant. You did an excellent job. Good work. I hope I get to sit through many, many more. Oh, I hope so too. Yep. We'll see about that. And just to remind you, listener, you can contact us. You can go to legendsofshield.com, find ways to contact us. You can call us on our voicemail line at 844-THE-BUS-1 or 844-843-2871. You can do the same thing that Black Adam did, and you can tweet us at Legends of Shield, or you can do what Chris said and find us on our Discord server on the Legends of Shield channel. You can find that at guineageek.com slash Discord. Well... That's it for this week. Looking forward to episode five next week. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Consultant Chris. See everybody next time. Bye. 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 I hope you don't get stuck halfway on the zip line. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. The best pop Christmas songs of 2021. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, it was jazzing me up. I haven't listened to a lot of holiday music this year, so. Actually, I took Cooper for a walk-run last night, and mostly walk, and then we've started to run at the end. I'm still healing from my injury earlier this summer, so I can't go all out. First of all, I fell out of shape. Second of all, I'm still, if I would do that, and if even if I was in shape, I would continue to hurt myself and i mm-hmm. quite frankly don't want a hernia or anything else that is going to come from this so anyway we got done with the walk and i got done with the podcast i was listening to and i was just about starting to run i'm like you know what i've got a christmas song playlist on my iphone let's go with that so as i was running the i don't know half mile three quarters mile maybe a mile i don't know as I was running it, I was listening to Christmas songs the whole time. I'm like, hey, okay. Yeah. And going past houses that were lit up and stuff because we were running at night. And I was wearing, I don't know if I told you or not, I got a LED lighted vest. One of the settings is it flashes different LED colors. It's not mm-hmm. Christmassy lights or holiday lights yeah. or anything like that. But so, yeah, I was jazzing out in my own head. Hey, Michelle. Hi. How are you? All right. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, dude, Chris. I'm good, except my thing doesn't want to start recording. Oh, no. So I'm glad we have to wait for Lauren to get here. Okay. So, um, all right, cool. Chris. That's next now. Yes. Okay. So listening to a Michelle rant is different than living one. This is going to be your first experience actually living through a Michelle rant. 
I'm excited. So, okay, okay, cool. Basically, I start, I might take a breath, but I will let people know when I'm done. I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm not here to, I'm not, it, my rant is not to like start some sort of big debate or anything. If people want to comment on it, great. If you don't, whatever. We will actually tell listeners that, I will tell listeners, like fast forward, like four minutes or so. It's, <laughs> it's just me getting stuff off of my chest that I want to. And yeah, just so you know, that's what it's going to be like living through a Michelle rant. And I'm glad you're looking forward to it. Sweet. Also, I fixed my thing not recording. I closed the program and opened it again. So I have no idea what it was, but it's recording now. So we're good. Oh, instead of the rumor, I'd suggest maybe the um, Across the Spider-Verse teaser. Okay. I don't have that. So if you have a link, you can throw it in there. Let me pull it up. <gasps> oh, so good. Yes. I haven't seen it, so. Yes. Apparently, I'm the only one out. Yeah. What, you haven't seen the teaser or you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse? I've seen Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, the masterpiece. Is the teaser the, for the second one? Is that what we're talking mm -hmm. about? Okay. Yep. I have not seen that. Let me. Is Haley in that, too? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, she's returning as Spider-Gwen. I think Chris needs a moment. It's true. I'm very excited for this. Did we talk about into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Yes, we had a one shot yeah, on it. we did. Yeah. I was thinking that we did. Because it's like, if we didn't, we have to fix that immediately. We're out. Woo! Good show. Okay. Epic. I'm going to hop off and go watch Expanse. <laughs> Is that on now? According to Scott, it drops at 8.15 Central. Ooh, four minutes. Okay, good luck. Yeah. All right. I will see y'all later. Okay, bye. 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 Good rant, Michelle. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Thanks. It's well thought out. You went for it, and nobody had to interject, and it was great. Yeah. And I don't disagree with it. Huh? Cool. Yeah, I thought, you know, being able to have a space to put it in there allows me to do a nice, quicker focused rant <laughs> yep yeah, that was good we have a lot of x-men animation to get mm -hmm. through if we want to review that before x-men 97 comes out in two years or 18 months or whatever so that's available for us right now to do i'd be fine doing that i hear the theme song i think it's a crime that if somebody mentions that show and you don't think of the theme song i think it might it be. Chris mentioned the theme song in his interview. Yeah. And they were all over it. Yeah, there's like a video or something about how they came up with it and something. So sort of behind the scenes. Although they said they didn't know if the composer was coming back for the series yet because you know that that hadn't been cast yet and and communicated back to them. So I don't know. I don't even know if you'd want it. The same composer back or somebody else. Like with Star Wars, having John Williams involved has been helpful. But I think as the properties move past the Skywalker saga, I think you need some new music in there. So I'm fine with new composers in Star Wars right now. But with this, I don't know. The song is so iconic, though. Yeah. It's got to be a part of it. I think of Robotech and I think of the theme song for Robotech, and there was no music, there's no voice to it. It was just 
music, right? Apparently that wasn't as big as X-Men. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.